Welcome to Startup Jab. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 31 of Startup Jab. Today's topic of conversation, entrepreneurship in Africa. I am one of your hosts, uh, Jason Nellis. Uh, usually you would hear Teague Hopkins with me, but Teague is in a, well, he's in a, he's in a better place. I mean Puerto Rico. I don't want anybody to think anything happened. Uh, <laughs> um, we have a really exciting show for you today. Uh, I want to give a quick shout out, of course, to our producer, Katie, who um, is currently muted and managing the back end of this, making sure that I don't screw it up. Because once again, we're back to the podcast side of things and not trying to do this on Blab. And for our guest today, if you haven't tried Blab, I absolutely recommend it. It's a lovely setup, but it's the audio quality is not nearly as good as what we're using today. Um, so you guys should check that out. But on on with the on with the show and less about the technical. We are joined by two awesome guys today that I, I am really excited to have on the show because um, we're talking about a subject that I think a lot of folks, particularly our listeners, probably don't give enough consideration to, which is the economic growth and entrepreneurial development of of the African continent. Um, we have two giants in this field today. The first is Manny Chowie, who is a co-founder and CEO of Layer Cake, Layer Cake, excuse me, a social entre uh, enterprise that promotes fiscal uh, and financial inclusivity and security in Tanzania. He also serves as the Director of International Outreach and Business Development for Cultiva Solutions, which is a DC-based education consultancy and brokerage. And on top of all of his other free time, he consults on international development issues, helping to strategize, execute, and build partnerships between U.S. and Sub-Saharan African-based organizations. Manny, my first question to you very briefly, when do you sleep? <laughs> that is a question I get quite often, uh, whenever I can, for the most part. There we go. Um, All right. But I try to make a habit of it. Warm glass of milk is how I usually find it. helps uh, get me down when I need to. There you go. Uh, and with us also is Jason Israel, a dedicated public servant, naval officer, and educated with over, educator with over 15 years of experience in military and civilian leadership positions on multiple levels. Uh, he's worked throughout Europe and NATO with NATO countries, uh, negotiating bilateral and multilateral security agreements, and has a policy... Uh, and operations officer with the United Nations Department of Peacekeeping Operations. He, of course, also manages to get plenty of sleep because he's also uh, currently a commander in the Navy Reserve, deployed to the Combined Joint Task Force Horn of Africa, where he's worked with Somalia towards a more stable and secure future for the East African region. And on top of everything else, he was, until recently, as I understand it, uh, Director of African Affairs for the National Security Council at the White House. Jason, um, you just don't sleep, I assume. I mean, at a certain <laughs> point, I imagine that you just you probably have enough time for eating and like standings, napping. I would no, imagine. That's what all that airline travel is good for. <laughs> <laughs> you can sleep on it. You not if you just get a glass of wine and get your sleep in. I was going to say, not if you're flying coach like I do, but I appreciate that. <laughs> no, Guys, uh, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. I, I really do appreciate you taking the time. Um, let's start just sort of in general, and Manny, I'd like to start with you. Um, sure. Let's start sort of with with Layer Cake and what its goals are in Africa. What is it that you're trying to accomplish uh, within you know the the African region? So um, thanks for again for the for the opportunity and, and um, uh, honestly it's a conversation that I've been looking forward to uh, to kind of talk about entrepreneurship in Africa and how we we play a role in that. So Layer Cake, as you mentioned, we are focused on the fiscal. Uh, inclusivity and security. And effectively, what we mean is, first off, we start with inclusivity, making sure that we can get as many people, uh, and right now, myopically focused in Tanzania, um, but could, could, uh, the, the idea is a model to transfer in practically any market, but getting people banking in more traditional ways. Uh, while we applaud and, and, and definitely are, are proud of the, the mobile banking that's taken off, it's not nearly as, as, as supportive as far as the long run. Um, so it's, we're looking at creating long-term economic sustainable wins uh, and providing self-sustainability. So that's getting the unbanked banking and then helping them grow as well as all the connective tissues that goes with that, helping the financial institutions um, uh, uh, grow as well as the carriers, the, the, the governments, and of course, private enterprises all kind of fit into this, um, th this little model. And Lairkit gets the chance to play uh, uh, middle ground being the connective tissue uh, as needed to to provide a, a, a leadership in economic self-sustainability and, and financial um, inclusivity. Sure. So tell me a little bit about what specific challenges the Tanzanians are experiencing that you are seeing and, and I assume working towards helping to fix. Uh, sure. The, the, the issues we've seen in Tanzania are fairly um, 
commonplace throughout most of, of sub-Saharan Africa, but, um, you know, focusing specifically in Tanzania, of course, as, as I led with the, the unbanked, uh, mm-hmm. right? As thanks to the success of the uh, mobile banking platforms in, in Kenya, for example, which is right north of Tanzania, um, you know, it's helped the, the East African region and really most of Africa start moving towards mobile banking. And while that's, um, and what we mean by mo- mobile banking in the sense of really it's mobile transfer. Your money lives in this cloud on, on, on a mobile carrier. It's the equivalent of having your money on AT&T or on Verizon rather than in a proper financial institution mm-hmm. um, like Wachovia and the like. Um, and we spent some time looking at, at, at that model and from a, from a business oper- uh, and, and um, economic sustain- sustainability, it's one that works and it works fairly well, obviously, but it, it doesn't, we don't really think that it's going to work in the, in the long term. We believe that you, you can't exclude banks um, from the, the process. There needs to be, um, there needs to be unity and, and, and less friction. Uh, and so we, we hope to, to provide that because not only does that um, mean that, of course, people who currently, as most, as we most, uh, we, as we know, most Africans already have cell phones. But not only are we using cell phones to connect people to a financial institution who they probably couldn't before, uh, for whatever reasons, but you're allowing their opportunity in a predominantly cash-based economy to actually grow their wealth, to grow their savings and things of that nature, rather than it literally being cash under their mattress. Um, from there, the financial institutions and uh, can 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 have more in their deposits, allowing them to help provide domestic growth. Looking specifically at the Tanzanian market, it's one that loans um, a quite a good bit, uh, depends heavily on aid. Uh, and when the government take, takes loans, it mostly takes them internationally. Why not go to a Tanzanian bank or bank that's based in Tanzania? Because the deposits just aren't there, right? And the deposits aren't there because people aren't banking in the traditional sense. Right. Mm-hmm. There needs to be that, that marriage. It's a necessity um, uh, for, for, again, long-term sustainability uh, economically. So it's really kind of a four-pronged approach, but for, for the private citizens gets a chance to, uh, to bank, you know, grow their own uh, personal wealth long-term. Uh, the financial institutions get to provide financial security for their, uh, for their customers, both the, the individual citizens as well as uh, private institutions and governments um, can apply and get, have more access to loans to help them grow in whatever arenas that they're looking to move forward. Sure. Jason, uh, switching to you real quick, from, yeah. a, from a macroeconomic level and looking at Africa as a whole, would you say that what Manny's trying to accomplish in Tanzania is representative of the larger challenges in Africa, or is it unique to Tanzania? I mean, where, what are, from, from your vantage points, uh, you know, and again, I realize you're not with the administration anymore and there are certain yep. things that you can't speak to, but, mm-hmm. you know, from your experiences, is that a representation of what's happening right now? Thanks a lot. And uh, first of all, I'll say it's an honor to be here with you, uh, Jason, and with you, Manny, too. Um, And I will say uh, that you mentioned that there are a lot of things I can't say as a part of the administration. But I think on balance, there's probably more things that I can say. Awesome. (laughs) We love that. So there there are more and there aren't. Um, So I can uh, kind of give a bit more of a fair critique, I think, um, on on all sides of of what we've been doing. From the macro perspective, uh, we still look at this, uh, this view of Africa rising. Um, which you've kind of heard since, um, since for the last 20 or 30 years and kind of wondering, well, what is it rising in? Is it rising in economic development? Um, true. Uh, it's rising in the, um, the number of democracies um, that, are on the, that are on the continent. Um, the prestige um, and, and efficacy of the African Union um, have been rising, um, which is why uh, President Obama has really tried to fo- change the focus of how we provide um, assistance and invest in Africa um, during his administration. And just in the last few years, um, there's a lot of examples that I'll bring up. Uh, But to directly answer your question, uh, we look at Africa as an entire continent um, for sometimes for political reasons, when you kind of realize you get bipartisan support to help the entire continent. Uh, But what Manny is actually doing is he's looking at one of those 54 countries, and it kind of depends on how you count um, uh, when it comes to the number of countries. And what he's doing is really the driving force uh, behind the change that we want to see in, in Africa, what Layer Cake is doing. It's a great example of looking at the, envir- the, the institution, the, the strengths and weaknesses that are in the single country of Tanzania, and trying to build the capacity of the local banks, of the mobile banking distributors, um, in order to confront the challenge that is uniquely Tanzanian. Because that's when we look at um, each individual country uh, across Africa, vice 
Africa as a whole. Um, so just two quick examples. The president announced in 2013 uh, the Power Africa uh, campaign, the Power Africa program, which kind of recognizes that in order for Africa to sustain the growth uh, over the next 20 years that it has, it's going to need a $300 billion investment in its, in its power infrastructure. And as we all know, power infrastructure leads to um, other aspects of being able to run a business, whether it's just um, IT or it's actual electricity or lighting um, and all the things that you need um, in order to uh, make transactions for a business or supply chain. Um, so that's at the macro level. Then the micro level, uh, we've looked at specific countries um, that are doing a little bit better than others and try to support them um, all the way from something like Somalia, which is a brand new country where we support uh, entrepreneurs that are trying to solve some of the mobile banking issues in Somalia with almost no infrastructure, um, supporting World Bank advisors that come in and try to get capacity of the central bank to be able to provide some kind of certified uh, loans to entrepreneurs. Um, and these are all you know, several years away all the way to uh, South Africa, which is an advanced economy um, and, and really competes in the global scale when it comes to um, more developed nations. Um, so we, we kind of try to tailor uh, support for, for each of those. Um, so that's just kind of the macro, the micro level. But what, but what um, Manny is doing is very um, similar to what I've heard um, other entrepreneurs do across the continent um, in my multiple interactions that I've had with them at the White House. And I'll, I'll just say that, um, you know, for those that don't know, the National Security Council, it really covers everything um, outside at the White House, everything outside of our borders. So it isn't just, you know, traditional uh, defense or counterterrorism. It's all the way to economic development and trade um, and everything from sanctions to uh, support for economic development. Um, so it's really been fascinating. And uh, as I was telling Jason and Manny earlier, uh, before we started the show, um, that it was just one of the greatest part of my job was really hearing all these stories and, and learning about um, what entrepreneurs are doing to solve these unique unique problems um, and have a few examples that we can uh, talk about as we go forward. Yeah, plus you guys have some of the coolest jobs I've ever heard and now I'm just seething with jealousy. So thank you. This is, <laughs> this is really helping me emotionally. I really appreciate that, guys. <laughs> Um, glad, glad to help. Absolutely. No, I can tell. I can I can hear it in your voice. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Manny, you said something really interesting before the show that I, I want to make sure that we touch on a little bit. And, I, and Jason, feel free to interject here as well. Um, you spoke of, of Africans in, it, it sort of by and large being entrepreneurial by nature and that, that sometimes it takes sort of setting up the right structure to be able to to apply that in a productive way. Is that something that you think is going to be a, 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 tr a positive trend happening in the next, you know, let's call it 10 years that as there's more infrastructure built and more opportunities built for entrepreneurship and startups that, that, you know, Africans will be, you know, as a, really as a, as a, you know, as a many different kinds of people sort of amalgamated into one for this conversation that, that they'll be able to take advantage of that and really grow with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, <clears throat> Having lived in Africa, it's, it's a, it was a little bit more um, uh, common sense uh, to me than, than it was when I started moving around a little bit more, you know, specifically set, settling in, um, uh, in in the U.S., how much my peers didn't really know as much about um, the continent. And then as I, um, uh, as I continued to, to, to grow and work in the professional environment and, and even the startup environment, how much people didn't realize that there is a lot of entrepreneurial potential uh, entrepreneurial um, um, expertise already in the market, right? They say that necessity is the mother of invention. Well, Africa is a, is a market that's always been wrought with necessity uh, and is littered with inventors. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's really one that hasn't been harnessed to its fullest degrees because of the lack of, of the really uh, supportive institutions. Um, and, and, you know, we, infrastructure is, is one big, is a huge, obviously a big component, but uh, as we've discovered in our walk, sometimes it's it's the simpler things. Again, it's the connective tissue. Um, what we've discovered is there's practically nothing new under the African sun. It just hasn't really coalesced well enough. And the few economies and, and areas or markets that have been able to do it have really, really blossomed. Um, Nigeria, of course, comes uh, comes to mind, as well as, as, as Kenya now that it's been looked at as, as the, uh, the hub uh, for for entrepreneurship in Africa, but they're really just a snapshot of what's already happening all over the place. That just hasn't had the opportunity, uh, hasn't had the institutions or the resources allotted to it to really support that growth. Right. And Manny, can I jump in? Yeah, please do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know, you brought up a great point um, about you know Kenya kind of looking being looked at as a hub. Uh, but one thing I guess we should mention uh, to listeners is 
you know, you are seeing, um, you said, you mentioned uh, we haven't necessarily seen a lot of the infrastructure development coalesce yet, which is true. But one of the um, strange benefits that we've had of it being a lag in Africa is that um, the mobile, because mobile is growing so fast because it really has leapfrogged um, the traditional landlines mm -hmm. um, when mm -hmm. it comes to IT. And so, um, you know, my, my question for Manny too, as a, you know, for me, my side as a policymaker, where we've really tried to, uh, and we've talked to a lot of entrepreneurs and tried to put ourselves um, in your, uh, uh, which is, is close to impossible, <laughs> you know, from Washington, but we try to, and having lived in Africa uh, as well, it helped a lot, but, you know, getting to the policy level, I always felt very distant. Um, but we tried to do is we tried to create um, what we would call in, in the United States or elsewhere, you know, incubators, um, really, mm -hmm. uh, because each individual, as I mentioned before, each individual challenge and the lack of institutional support there are in some countries. And, you know, there, there are parallels for around the world. So this isn't just Africa. But we saw in Africa is that um, it can be very expensive um, for, uh, for people trying to start a business. And, you know, what are the different ways that they can try to connect them with capital? So we can talk a little bit about, you know, entrepreneurs, um, how we've been trying to facilitate um, entrepreneurs getting connected to capital outside of Africa. Um, but in the near term, I want to talk more specifically about incubators. And um, for instance, uh, there's one that you can, there's um, called Garages, um, which were, were set up out of a tech accelerator. Um, there's one in Lagos, Nigeria, one in Cape Town, and uh, there's one in Nairobi now, which were um, set up basically as workspaces um, that, that provide the, the, the connectivity, um, uh, office facilities, cafe, workshop, you know, spaces for events and workshops. Um, and then the president, through his Young African Leaders campaign or in initiative, which I can talk about a little bit, also started creating what we call YALI spaces. Um, and these are just two examples of trying to create incubators in places. Um, now, Nairobi is kind of the low-hanging fruit but for the reason Manny mentioned. But um, Manny, have you and your, your fellow entrepreneurs, have you seen an increase in you know, having these resources available to you at the local level? Or are we still lagging behind? You know, where, where can we do better? Um, uh, I'll be honest with you. Um, you know, it, we're definitely lagging, but we're also better than where we were before. Um, you know, I, I think my, 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 my response usually to questions, uh, to, to this question and other in similar vein is when it comes to Africa and, and any African country or, um, or region is there is no silver bullet, right? It, it really is kind of a shotgun approach and incubators is a huge part of that because it gives folks one concentrated area to gather all those resources that for us here um, I mean, even in the DC area, I'm guilty of it, you know, taking those things for granted. There's, there's places that I can go squat down and benefit from mentors, um, whether they're my peers or those that have, that have, that have gone through this before, I can have access to capital, access to, uh, potential, uh, uh, team members and things of that nature. Whereas that's been missing. And, and, and as I've hinted to before, like really the strategy to winning in Africa, regardless of vertical or, or, or space or opportunity is really being the connective tissue. And whatever ways that that kind of falls out of it, incubation is the most ob obvious logical step. And especially as you hinted at, uh, as you mentioned before, about the rise of mobile. Just mobile has accelerated that so much uh, and technology in general. But mobile has put technology in the hands of people. And so it's helped turn that into such an uh, immensely transformative um, resource in such a short time frame. And it's just the tip of the iceberg. Um, you know, for us, what's 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 helped. You know, when we originally started Layer Cake, we were looking at at at, um, at at Kenya, right? Because they had those resources readily available. You knew you could talk to uh, an industry that was already a little bit further on underway as far as uh, mobile uh, uh, transfer services. Uh, at, at the time, you know, the, there was uh, there was a little bit, there was better wealth management. Um, so the incubators and VCs and stuff like that existed. Mm -hmm. um, and that's starting to happen now in other markets like uh, like Tanzania, um, but a big part of that again for us was the connective tissue. That's that's what ended up um, helping us focus on, on Tanzania. Now, in part also, I am biased. My family is Tanzanian. Uh, I spent a good chunk of my my childhood there as well. Uh, but um, you know, in part due to that, some work that I've done before, just uh, discovering that along the way, I've realized that I had some. To, uh, a network that I could tap into in the Tanzanian market that was a lot stronger and would lead me to a closer, uh, route, faster route to success rather than if I'd focused on uh, in the Kenyan market. Um, mm -hmm. 
And effectively, you know, to, to, to answer your question, I, I love I love the incubation. I think that's a start of it. There needs to be more of that, but there also needs to be um, different approaches to uh, to providing just institutional knowledge and resources. Uh, wealth, of course, is, is is a big part of it because um, you know Africa uh, Africa in general tends to be a little bit um, costlier of an investment um, as far as uh, uh, money as well as, as research, but it pays off, right? If you go into it, as, it's a cost of doing business. Yeah, there's going to be a heavy capex up front, but once you're up and running, it's because you often have to set up all these different pieces or work to, with, with others to set up these, these pieces that don't already inherently exist. Once it's up and running, uh, there's plenty of like-minded individuals who can help you get there, get to pace, and then succeed and succeed in the long, in, in, in the, in the long run, uh, all the while doing it in a fairly accelerated timeline. Um, you know, we work a lot with, uh, with, with the Department of Commerce, specifically the, the, the uh, export services. They do an amazing job of helping connect us with the resources on the ground. Um, you know, other uh, like-minded business uh, individuals, potential partners and, and, and beneficiaries uh, of, 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 our, of our lyric process. So it's, it's really um, more of that needs to be done. Again, there's nothing that's new under the sun, but a lot more energy and emphasis needs to be spent in, in all these other places, as well as keeping the incubators and stuff going. No, it's, that's, that's refreshing to hear from, from my perspective, too. I mean, it is what I see. And of course, we, uh, when, the, when business leaders um, come and talk to us, whether it's the White House or Department of Commerce or anything, it's one of the first things um, we talk about is like, um, you know, how can you partner? And we give them a list of some of the local uh, organizations they can partner with. Um, in order to um, step up the you know support for for incubators, uh, GE uh, General Electric Garages is an interesting program that they basically um, go around with a lot of their high tech equipment, whether it's uh, you know 3D printers or IT, um, and they just kind of display it so that they know that there's then they try to you know keep costs down so they can try to provide equipment uh, to entrepreneurs and they kind of do showcases around as well, um, which is another another good one that we've seen. Um, I, I don't know. The first thing, the next thing that jumps out to me is how can we, you know, from, from our perspective is um, what we need, of course, is another uh, 500,000 Mannies. Um, okay. So until, until we, uh, until we get cloning um, authorized. Um, would, would, you know, for, if, if we were to put Manny in front of everybody, would that help? Because I'm willing to go to bat for that. I can make, I can help make that happen. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but my point being is that that's what we, um, we tried to push with um, I want to talk about two programs very quickly. Um, the Young African Leaders Initiative that I mentioned before um, that the president, uh, that President Obama uh, put forward. He actually has a few uh, young leaders initiatives across the world um, in Asia, in Central America. Um, but he he looks at um, he looks at really what is it that the that the young population needs. And uh, we have a couple main parts of the YALI program. And one is. Um, just a couple of years ago, established what we call the Young African Leaders Initiative Network. And it's really an online community of conversations and massive online courses where they can take courses on you know, starting a business and um, how, to, how to navigate the environment, um, which already has over 200,000 um, people in the network. And you know, I'd welcome, Manny, your thoughts on like, what can we do now that we have this connectivity across the continent um, in sharing ideas? Um, because it's, it's, it's one of those interesting things. You've kind of created this amazing group of people that are coming together to share ideas, but at the same time, you know, you want to you want to make sure that it's you know it's doing something. It's not just you know people connecting just to just to connect. And we've already seen some ideas um, come out of it. Um, but the other is the Young African Leaders Initiative uh, Presidential Summit, um, which um, just for the last two years has had uh, 500 of these fellows of these parts of the network apply to come to um, to the United States and do some leadership training for several weeks at a sponsoring university and then spend a week in Washington uh, with each other trying to look at cross-sector solutions and cross-continent solutions and meet with the president um, in a town hall. And that's been enormously successful um, in, in creating a lot of uh, energy and buzz around uh, these, are, these are young government officials, these are young business. And, and when you think of young uh, leaders, sometimes in the United States, we think about you know, high school interns or maybe somebody who just did their first year as an MBA. These are people um, kind of in the mid twenties to mid thirties that have already um, shown that they've started, you know, they started a successful business, or they're a cabinet official um, in their local government, or they're a doctor um, in a clinic. Um, really, really incredible people. And uh, the president's goal is to double the number of fellows um, going forward. So we actually have a thousand coming through each year. Um, now, I will say candidly, you know, this is one of the things that <laughs> easier for me to say now is. 
um, you're, you'd be you'd think that um, that you'd get uh, support from any uh, African government um, that uh, that that you know is is looking at the United States inviting some of their young leaders to get initial initial support, but you know there's there's a long history here of you know the United States not wanting to put too much of a a label on what it does because um, African nations are sensitive um, and in in general to you know, other countries coming in and saying, okay, we're going to bring your people outside the country and teach them how we do business and then put them back in. And there's good reason for that. So, so we have to be better at that. Um, and welcome, welcome, you know, your thoughts on that too, Manny. Um, and the other is a new private sector, um, an African-led program that I don't know if, um, if everybody's heard about, but it's called the Africa Business Fellowship. And this is doing what I'm, what I'm super excited about, which I think it's too long that we've sent, we've brought African um, business leaders to the country to our to the United States only, um, and really had not sent U.S. business leaders um, over to Africa to learn from people like Manny and others that are working in uh, across in and across the continent, so they can work for and within African businesses. Um, so the African Business Fellowship is online. Um, they're taking applications for uh, young U.S. business leaders to go over and really spend time learning about um, about Africa uh, and the way it does business. Um, so I wanted to kind of talk about. You know, continent-wide youth development, and, and maybe ask Manny kind of what you think um, of either of those programs or what you've seen uh, work. Um, how how we can better use the network and the, the resources that we have across the continent, uh, both for your own business and, and others. Uh, thanks. Uh, it's, a, it's a wealth of information. Uh, I, I will start off with this. I guess it kind of answers uh, what are your questions. Uh, for me, a lot of this stuff is brand new, uh, <laughs> which is a little bit. Uh, um, ironic mm -hmm. considering I'm an, an African entrepreneur mm -hmm. doing business in both ends. It kind of makes my point for me, so thanks. <laughs> right, right. And I think... Um, we have to be you know, better. <laughs> uh, uh, Katie, you'll love this. I mean, it comes down... To, a part of it comes down to communications. As I said, there's nothing new really under the sun. I've said a lot... A lot uh, that, that's saved a lot in regards to the African sun, but it's the same thing over here too. There's practically nothing that hasn't been tried before. Uh, but the reason a lot of these programs fail is because they don't get the support. And often they don't get the support because not a whole lot of people know that they even exist. Um, and there needs to be, again, more of that connective tissue. There needs to be more of less conversations that happen in silos. And I know being a you know, DC resident, that happens a whole mm -hmm. lot more than it needs to. A lot of conversations happen in silos, even though they're parallel. We're having the exact same conversation I've got resources that you might have, uh, might need, and vice versa, but we're not talking together. But we're both griping to our friends and and, and colleagues and counterparts and other thought leaders, uh, and even industry leaders about what's lacking and, and the people that are lacking in vision and all of that. So, you know, a big part of that is is communication, just on, on either side of the pond, and then of course cross pollination, right? Uh, for the Africans throughout the the all fifty four. Um, uh, nations to know what, what what's available, including people that are right there in the continent. I mean, I, I'll, I'll again, I'll I'll admit my own ignorance. Even within the Tanzanian uh, country, heck, even within Dar es Salaam, where where we we work heavily and and where we're we're, we're based, there's still so much that's going on in that city that I have no clue about. We're constantly finding out about something else, and these aren't necessarily brand new programs. These are things that have been around for a while, incubators and and the like. Um, there's uh, assistance programs, uh, even from a government policy perspective, tax codes, um, uh, tax incentives to start businesses and do business in Africa. All these things exist. They've been done to support businesses, but the businesses don't know that they exist. You mm -hmm. know, especially mm -hmm. young African, young African entrepreneurs, they don't know that they exist. Um, and to your point about cloning me, I mean, to be quite honest, I'm flattered and I, I appreciate that. Um, but, you know, I'm just one of many. The, those 5,000 Mannies do exist. Um, you know, I, and, and you don't have to go very far, to be quite honest, again, uh, right next door. One of my one of my business partners, one of my two business partners, Harris Ayutakor, um, lives out here in D.C. He works in, uh, in international development as well as was working in, uh, in Layer Cake. Um, you know, he's one example of many. And we got into the, the uh, into the business we did and we got into it together because we share the same passion, we, say, we share the same vision uh, and wanted to conquer these shortages of, of resources and, and leverage the fact that, you know, we're this diaspora that has resources and, and platforms at our disposal that heretofore probably never existed. And we're still constantly trying to get caught up and, and find out about programs like this and then get involved in the ones that make sense. 
Um, but we're not the only ones. There's several entrepreneurs just right here in the DC space are young uh, uh, African uh, diaspora leaders who would love something like this, you know, and, and, and some of these folks that I talked to, a lot of the, 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 the conversation here, as well as back in Tanzania, is the same. Uh, and throughout the, the African continent is, they don't believe that the opportunities exist. And there is some truth to that, but the opportunities that do exist aren't really, uh, aren't really being shared to them, aren't marketed to them, they aren't being made, uh, not, they're, not, they're not being made knowledgeable that these things are available, these programs are available. Yep. Um, whether it's financially, mentorship, um, you know, education, whatever the different resources uh, and any and all that uh, that they need to to go forth and conquer and succeed uh, in, in their particular sphere of interest, um, they can go do that. Um, and again, I say that as somebody who's gone through that and is still going through that myself and 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 we're constantly find ourselves in our own communities just trading notes hey have you heard of this program you heard of that program maybe you should go look into it and it's you know share it's it's going it's it's a viral version of, of that marketing but it's not nearly um as as pervasive as it, as it could and it should be right. um you know yeah. I, i'd argue it we should be the ones that are more overburdened by all the stuff that's going on because again it's not new it's been going on uh, to your point. Well, so I want to jump in actually real quick and ask you guys a question to sort of add some some flavor to this particular part of the conversation. Um, one of the challenges that it, it strikes me that, you know, Africa is not unique in experiencing right now is a, is a brain drain. You know, as an example, my grandfather, uh, my I should say my stepdad's father uh, is originally, you know, from a relatively poor family in Peru. He came to America, got an MD and intending to go back to Peru to, you know, do cardiology there. Uh, did not find the economic opportunities that he needed to to actually even pay off his debt, let alone go back to the to to his home country, and ended up staying in the United States um, because that's where he could make you know that's where he could do best for his family. I have to imagine that Africa is experiencing and probably has been for some time a bit of a brain drain across the board. Do we see these kinds of efforts turning the tide on that? Is there still that? I mean, is there still that problem? And if so, is it limited to, or is it across the board, or is it limited to certain sectors? Um, I'll say from, from a personal perspective, you know, but both within my family and, and, you know, friends and friends and extended family, um, it's a little bit of both, right? You still do have the, the, the brain drain. I don't think you're ever going to lose that, uh, especially not in the context of, of the U S right. We are the, 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 the number one nation that, um, uh, most folks want to come to for, um, uh, educational and as well as professional development and growth. Um, and a lot of folks have come here with the mindset that I'm going to go back um, and practice what I've learned uh, uh, back into in, in, into that into that environment. But for one reason or another, it, 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 I mean, your 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 story is one that is still true to this day within the African community. Um, uh, but as you start skewing a little bit younger and younger, again, I mentioned the the diaspora specifically. When I mentioned the diaspora, I'm I'm talking about the young the the, the young diaspora. Um, the the millennial diaspora, for the lack of, of of a better term, a lot of folks are looking to go back and do exactly what we're doing here with Larry King. A lot of folks are doing what we're, we're doing with Larry King. The ones that kind of gave us the 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 idea that hey, this is something that's uh, a worth uh, it, it's worth doing and it can be done is ha leveraging the fact that you know, you're you're an American as well as as an African. There's resources that are available to you as as an American as well as resources that are available. To you as, as an African, you can be that that connective tissue again. You can bridge those those gaps, um, and technologies, of course, helped exacerbate that. I mean, um, my the third business partner that I didn't mention, uh, Herman Sangiwa, who heads up our uh, he's our, our CIO, our Chief uh, uh, Information Officer, um, but is fairly well versed with within the market, of course, from uh, uh, from from a business perspective, how you do business in. Tanzania uh, across multiple uh, verticals, angles, and everything mm -hmm. else, and he's my greatest source of, of, of information. And everything else kind of splinters out from from there. Uh, I catch up with him daily uh, through all the different tools that are available at, uh, uh, at our disposal, right? And and our topics range from, hey, how did X com company succeed, or what companies are are growing or thriving, or just the the general lay of the land. Technology has helped bridge that gap as far as information discovery and then turning that into something that in the context of our, our business that we can apply to learn from, to build or, or, and, and, and grow from uh, from there. So he's based in Tanzania full-time. Harris and I are over here in, in D.C., but the three of us own a company um, that is an American company. 
So, um, you know, I think it's, it's going to, I, I don't think you're ever going to resolve the brain, dain, uh, brain drain uh, phenomenon for a lot of issues. And, and this is where it gets into the conversation about context. Um, you know, uh, Jason, you, you'd mentioned earlier about, you know, the, the exchanges, right, uh, educationally mm -hmm. and uh, professionally that, that's been going on for, for, for generations. I think part of why, at least I know in my dealings in, in, in Tanzania, part of that pushback is it does come across almost like an intellectual colonialism in a way, like the the, the American way is, is the only and true way to do it. Um, off, and I know that's not often the intent, uh, or the design of the messaging, something gets lost there in, in translation. Um, and again, there's there's history behind it as as well that makes people think and feel a certain way. And what we've where we found success, uh, not just at Lair Cake, but um, uh, uh, my work over at Cultiva, is being able to sit down and and <laughs> effectively like be brokers and help contextualize the conversations that this isn't one person getting a leg up over the other. This is about the economic benefits across the board, right? Helping improve um, uh, the, the the business. Um, the economic landscape, both in the U.S. as well as uh, as well as Tanzania, improving the intellectual capacity, improving the workforce. Uh, we focus heavily on workforce development, improving the cap the capabilities within the, the 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 environment there, so that U.S. American ties continue to grow, and both economies benefit from that that trade. Uh, and that started to translate into the laws as well. That hey, maybe we need to start. We need to lay off um, some of these uh, uh, trade barriers, name you know these tariffs. Um, uh, right. that, are, that are of infamy when it comes to the African continent. Yeah. We need to maybe bring that stuff down, kill them as, as it makes sense so that we can improve trade and, 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 and negotiations. Right. And I've, heard, of that Manny, I've heard so many stories, um, you know, particularly Tanzania being a coastal country of how easy it is for you to trade with, um, you know, let's say the Gulf states um, mm -hmm. compared to, let's just say, the, you know, the Great Lakes region. <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> in, uh, in, you know, even just, uh, just a little bit west uh, because of that. Um, yeah. no, no, that's a, that's a great point. I think, um, you know, trying to create that, uh, intra continent infrastructure and trade is a huge part of it. Um, but my answer to Jason's question is probably a little bit more, I'm going to go back to a little bit more of my background, which is about, you know, trying to create a safe, stable, secure, and democratic environment for citizens. Um, I'm going to go on a limb here and say I think it's a myth that it's just, hey, I can make more money in New York or London or somewhere, so that's why I'm going to go um, and, and, and head there. I mean, of course, there's incredibly talented people leaving, but that's also because you know, a, a nation either lacks the capacity or the desire to prevent um, you know, a bunch of recruiters. I know one of the, the big ones is nurses, right? Mm -hmm. And quality nurses from across the continent will be recruited you know, in, in communities all over Africa and sent directly to, you know, Western uh, cities um, in order to, uh, you know, to fill a shortfall. And it's either a lack of uh, capacity or desire or, you know, there's some kind of corrupt reason where somebody's getting some money to um, be motivated to allow people to leave. Um, so that's the, that's the economic piece, but I think that's much smaller. Um, I think that uh, one thing we found in the last couple of years, and I know President Obama talked about this um, on several occasions, is uh, you know asking questions about that that area. Why is somebody leaving? Um, are they leaving because it's not easy to start, for an entrepreneur? It's not easy to start a business. Do I have to bribe or be well connected? Um, you know, nepotism is alive and well. Mm -hmm. um, we've seen it, and even in some of these programs, I'll, I'll quite candidly tell you, you know, we had to push in some of these programs like Yali to try to make sure that application, you know, word of applications was getting outside of a you know an official's family. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as far as the, the knowledge of your ability to apply for them, right? Um, some of the more background that I have um, on is like working with on ethnic rivalries or violence. Um, you just don't want to start a business in an area where you either feel like you have to bribe a police officer or um, that, uh, that you're going to be unsafe walking to and from, to and from work. Um, and again, I say these things in full knowledge that these challenges exist around the world. Um, but when we look at each each of these, you know, fifty four countries, I could list, um, you know, several that have each of these each of these challenges, um, and I I'll I'll do something that I, you know, wouldn't always do outside the administration, but I have done in the last couple of years. So I am going to quote uh, my former boss, um, President Obama. He was asked a question about this uh, at the forum at the Young African Leaders Initiative that that I mentioned, um, 
and, and he did. He, he, he thought it was a great question, but he reversed it. And uh, the quote is, uh, the question is not what is the United States doing to reverse the brain drain. The question is, what are your countries doing to reverse the brain drain? Um, and I think he meant, he meant to do that because he also knew his audience is a, is, a, uh, is, a, is a group of young leaders that really want to see change and are changing, uh, you know, no, no Africa. Um, but, um, you know, he went on to say that, you know, the young leaders are creating an environment in which young people can succeed, and they're setting a new set of expectations, um, that, that being part of Africa's rise is part of something new. It can really help turn the tide. Um, is, is, is the way he put it. And that's the way, you know, I've, I've come to look at it is that all of our programs across the board, whether they're security, um, a great example is uh, Feed the Future, which is the way that we've, instead of providing traditional, you know, just food aid, um, we're trying to teach young farmers on how to triple or quadruple their yields, um, try, try to create financing structures so they can buy a tractor or, you know, organize amongst farmers in order to uh, get a better output. These kind of things, programs that are trying, are supposed to make themselves um, obsolete by the time they're successful, and that that's the big difference. Um, right. So when you're trying to combat, uh, you know, brain drain, it's a great metric. You know, how many people are leaving the country, um, and you know, the, the it comes down to to the question of why. Yeah, and I think just to, to chime in here, I, I the the example that that, that you just gave um, is 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 one that, that, that I love that, that it's a model that needs to be replicated in a lot more places uh, uh, and trying to break it down in, in, in two ways. Um, the first is, as you talked about, like the, you gave a, an example where there's context, like going after young folks, asking them those very pointed questions uh, in an environment where their leaders are also there and can listen to it. Um, so it's, it's a, almost like a, a safe zone uh, for both sides of folks to, to have it because as well as nepotism, ageism is alive and well. Um, so putting it, putting folks in a, in, a, in a place where they can have this safe conversation in, in context, um, as well as giving them the, um, um, the knowledge and skills and resources, um, to succeed in farming and showing them, um, like they've done in, in, in Nigeria, that agribusiness can be a business, right? That you can thrive in the, in agriculture if you focus in. Uh, and look at it as a business, and we're going to give you the the, 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 the resources that you need, whether it's the tools, whether it's the skill sets, um, uh, 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 and what have you, that by the time those things really come into fruition, like you said, you've, you've practically worked yourself out, out of a job, but you've promoted uh, economic um, development to a, a larger scale than, than, uh, than previously uh, imaginable. A lot more of those conversations, as well as actions, need to be have across different areas in, in similar vein, where it's both ends of the spectrum it's not just a one-way push america says this so do that um and, and you know it's looking at the context of all the different nations what what uh, what are their needs are which tend to be bountiful as, as you said uh and focusing in on in you know very attainable goals that have a relatively um short run if you will you know t projects that you know in 10 years are going to yield um significant results and you've got steps and and, and things that are already uh, undergoing focusing on on demographics of folks that are really um, making these these projects uh, work you know focusing on the youth uh, as well as focusing on women entrepreneurship and, and telling that story is that we're not just elevating these people because we believe that they're great but it's working with them and giving them access to resources opportunity um, knowledge and everything else mm -hmm. is actually going to help you to it they all lead to economic uh, growth and economic mobility for any and everyone. I think that gets lost. A lot of those things get lost in the conversation, um, and so little to nothing is is um, is is being done, or and what is being done can't, isn't always nearly as effective as, as it could be. But the promise for, uh, for 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 growth and improvement is there, which is what keeps folks like myself so optimistic and and and, and stays stay in the game. Absolutely, and you know, just to kind of reiterate my point earlier, you know, we're. Well, one of the, the big changes about this Africa has risen, vice, you know, you know, is, is that it, that we're so, 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 show, show Americans through, you know, this robust um, agenda when it comes to our, our work on Africa the last few years is that it's, it's good for all of us. Ec Africa's economic progress is, it supports increase for demand of U.S. exports, in, it, which in turn, you know, helps create jobs in the United States and valuable investment opportunities for U.S. businesses. Um, 
you know, we're starting to see New York um, Public Employees Pension Fund, one of the biggest pension funds in the United States, just put down a historic billion, you know, few billion dollars of its uh, pension fund investments in Africa. Um, and I think we're going to start seeing, you know, seeing that, you know, you know start seeing these investments. But, um, you know, there's so many different programs, but um, I would in, ask, you know, invite all listeners to just take a look at um, the Power Africa website. And there's a particular page I'd like you to look at. There's over a hundred private sector partners in the Power Africa campaign. And I think this is a good example of all the government side, you know, the, the U.S. in this case is doing is creating a convening spot where, you know, it's a center of information. Maybe it has a few million dollars that we put into it, but a few million dollars putting in the Power Africa program has yielded over $20 billion in, uh, in commitments from the private sector. And we already have over 16 gigawatts of, of generation progress um, programs um, and projects on the books, you know, for the next few years. Um, and just just take a look at that one website. It has a list of the over 100, you know, small startup companies, uh, cross boundary, run by a couple of classmates of mine um, from grad school is one of them, and they're just doing incredible things uh, when it comes to finding local solutions um, across the continent. So to Manny's point, you know, we're not going to do it from the macro scale, but you know, the, finding those um, the smaller companies they're going to partner with, you know, these bigger um, uh, bigger programs like Power Africa is, is what's going to. Uh, the answer is going to lie yeah. in there. Manny, quick question for you, just as an aside from this, you know, we're talking a lot about resources, both in terms of infrastructure and others. Um, is there is there one resource that you would like to see more available to African entrepreneurs, whether it's purely capital or education or something in that vein? Hmm. Uh, that's a, that's a, that's a very, very loaded question. Yeah. It came, it came uh, from producer Katie, so I can't entirely take the blame for that one. Well, is this uh, where you say, I don't want the a la carte. I want the whole menu. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, because, well, I'll speak on my experiences, which are, which are arguably very different from the, from, from most other entrepreneurs, most other African entrepreneurs and even diaspora entrepreneurs. Um, and then speak to kind of a general audience of Africans name uh, specifically Africans in the continent. Uh, who are entrepreneurs? So, from my experience, um, the what's lacking and what what's improving, and and just really quickly to go back to Jason's point just a moment ago, a lot of these things are um, are, are happening or on the verge of happening. When it comes to Africa, again, it's not a silver bullet; it's a, it's a shotgun approach, and and we need to do all those things, and we needed to do them yesterday. So, you know, I, I'm really glad for all these success stories like. Uh, near a pension fund, but we need more of that. You know, we need more. We don't just need big bold moves, but we need a lot of big bold moves all at the same time. Um, you know, and it's uh, capital is of course the big given one, right? To do business in Africa is costly, and that's uh, whether I, I know a lot of times people when they think of doing business in Africa, the first thing that goes into mind is I need a lot of money because I need to pay off a lot of folks. Believe it or not, for the last several years, Africa has been working to curtail that. And, you know, the rising generation of leaders, I mean, including the, the current um, leadership, as mentioned before, in, in Nigeria, as well as in Tanzania as a prime example, like, we're working hard to do away. We, now we're not doing, we haven't necessarily done the great best job at it. We, we, we sure haven't done a great job of advertising it outside of our own borders, but we are actively working to curtail that. Uh, and we've all come to the same conclusion, as much as this discussion is, it's about economic imp improvement, right? We, we, to improve the, the economy of that environment, every you know you you, you start to curtail bad bad behavior, uh, and so they're trying to make all these different markets a lot more friendlier to business. So part of why uh, in doing business in, in Africa costs money. Yes, you will in some cases, um, a decent amount of cases go up against bribes. But part of it is travel, right? Uh, cost of doing business, even for yourself as an entrepreneur coming from this side of the pond over, um, or an investor coming from this side of the pond over into Africa, that information exchange. Not everybody has a Herman Sengiro that can get on the phone and ask him, you know, whatever, five questions or 20 questions uh, and get all that information, right? You have to spend a lot of uh, time, uh, you have to spend a lot on research and you, know, you have to spend a lot of money um, to get yourself into resources there. Uh, and those resources and the resource availability um, can, can mean a lot of things. Um, in, in the technology sphere, um, you know, a lot of the servers and stuff like that that they, that they buy tend to be some um, uh, mostly American. Um, but as we're seeing more of a Chinese influence in, in the market, Huawei is starting to capitalize on it because Huawei is based in most all of these markets. or so they have a distributor network directly in, the, in, 
um, in the market. I would love to see more, again, you know, entire bigger boulder moves, bigger shifts rather than, um, you know, um, and I'll, I won't necessarily name names, but rather than just basing your organization, this large fortune uh, company that has got the potential to, 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 to do work in, in Tanzania, for example, basing it in Nairobi and then trying as best you can to export your services uh -huh. to, to Tanzania, move your company to Tanzania as well, right? Have two branches and put just about the same amount of energy uh, and, and uh, uh, fiscal and all these other resource investment that you would need to put in, in uh, that you would put in Nairobi, put it in Tanzania as well. So again, it's going to cost you more money because you're going to have to do big, bold moves, not just in, in Kenya, but you're going to have to do it in Tanzania because context is key. The, the, the challenges and the benefits and opportunities in those two markets may be similar, but there's also going to be a whole lot of nuances lost in, in, in translation. And then you got to talk about 54 countries uh, in that space. Um, so, uh, you know, simply put, uh, you know, spent, uh, it's going to, what I would like to see is a lot more capital investment, serious bull capital investment, but as, as well as a lot of the resources that support whatever uh, industrial growth, uh, whatever an industry needs to grow, um, and all the bit player supply chain and everything else to help, whether it's technology, agriculture, and all that other stuff. Again, uh, tractors and stuff like that. A lot of it is shipped from this side over there. Why isn't there a, a company already based there that's really doing that? A lot of Africans have figured that out for themselves. A lot of uh, Ghanaian uh, enterprises and, and Nigerian as well have, have blossomed uh, just importing uh, um, construction and, and, and farming equipment and doing fairly well. Um, you know, why isn't Caterpillar into like, you know, making a significant um, uh, investment over there? For the, for the, tans, for, um, for the Africans, uh, African entrepreneurs that are based in, in the country, the answer is a lot, that's where it gets really, really more complex, right? Uh, capital is always going to be an asset. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. always going to be, you know, uh, uh, a top top of mind. Uh, again, research, right? There's um, th we don't have um, a lot of the uh, data points that you need to 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 build long term sustainable uh, businesses, and also the metrics, as you mentioned before, Jason, that we would need to measure uh, success need to be contextualized to that specific market and then the specific opportunities and, and, and uh, that are being chased after by that entrepreneur sector of, of entrepreneurs. Um, policy changes, of course, I mean, that that's a given more of a handshake diplomatically between nations to make it easier for those doing the work to do the work. Um, uh, part of it as well is, is you know, um, opportunities uh, across the board, again, shedding light that, you know, by Focusing on on women and 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 building giving girls opportunities to go learn and to go start their businesses that's not a bad thing that's a good thing for all of us investing more time effort and energy again it's not that these conversations aren't being had but they aren't being had nearly enough and not vastly enough so it hasn't permeated and become common knowledge like it is here um, and uh, you know to uh, uh, to be quite honest, you know, again, education is, is, is a big part of it, but education from a different perspective. Um, think of it more of from an economics side of things, like a workforce development, specifically in, a, you know, in context, um, you know, uh, uh, Kenya versus uh, Ethiopia versus Nigeria or uh, and Somalia. Economically, they have different needs um, and they have different strengths and their resources that are available to them. Uh, vastly different. The industries that have thrived or are thriving or potential to grow are tend to be, you know, again, there's going to be similarities, but there's also going to be, be differences. So providing more domestic-based um, education that supports those industries, those industry growth, uh, so that people can attain, new, uh, attain skills, um, retain them and grow their, their, their current skills, and if they need to be retrained, that that's readily available for them. Um, and that kind of goes in tandem a little bit with more uh, with a uh, mentorship um, uh, network, get more of that connective tissue, and all of these things being done under one umbrella rather than one silo. We're just going to get the money. We're just going to get the educators. We're just going to get um, uh, this component or the other. It's bringing all of those things together. Again, it's it's big bold moves and all done at the same time and all not just being executed but being communicated efficiently, effectively across the board. All right. Absolutely, and I, I know we're con I'd be conscious of time, but uh, you know, just to, to, to say briefly, um, it is it's got to be daunting for an entrepreneur to say, you know, this huge continent. How do I, you know, get this information? How do I go to? Uh, one thing we haven't talked about much is that um, 
Africa, particularly recognized by the African Union, has regional economic communities um, that can serve as a point of contact there. Um, there you, you have everything from the um, economic community of Central African states to the economic community of West African states, ECOWAS, um, to the East African community. And you know, some are better than others, but their goal is to try to you know, provide information and to um, create these ties regionally um, in between um, in, in these markets. Um, and they're, again, they're not, they're not um, all uh, of the same quality and, um, and efficiency, um, and, but I think they're all trending positively, and, and so is the African Union um, when, it comes to, when it comes to finding these support. And the last kind of plug I'll make, um, you know, I, I kind of promised before it would just be, you know, one, one website, but uh, the other was that, you know, I mentioned this President's Advisory Council on Doing Business in Africa. We have real big company CEOs um, that are trying to figure out how to make the continent more business friendly um, and to, you know, create uh, great logistics chains. Um, I think one of them is, you know, the, the cold chain challenge. Um, cold chain sounds like, I know some Liam Neeson movie probably, but, you know, really like <laughs> actually trying to create the, the infrastructure to be able to move cold food or cold medicines across across the continent, um, which is difficult um, in the, under the current environment, particularly when things are held up at borders, um, various borders with administrivia um, so often. Um, but there's a long list of, of, of these recommendations. And again, I'm not plugging any particular one of them, but I think that, you know, provide listeners uh, a an ability to, to ask some rhetorical questions. Like um, Manny and I talked, at, you know, ad nauseum here about <laughs> The information challenges, right? Um, how would you fix those if you were in a, either if you were an entrepreneur or if you were a political leader within Africa or if you were, uh, you know, policy professional in the United States? How would you actually try to get things together? Of course, in the government, we try to just invent a new, um, invent a new program, uh, creating something like an, U an infrastructure center. I mean, to try to match people with programs. But, you know, is, is creating something else if things aren't nested well under it? just another layer of bureaucracy. Um, that's, that's the kind of question we, we go after. Um, so trying to work a lot of our um, information flow and our, our current efforts within existing African um, uh, entities like the regional economic communities I mentioned are, are what we're after, um, though unfortunately no, no answer is perfect. No, but I appreciate that both of you have really taken a look at this uh, in, the, in the hour that we've been sitting here from an incredibly deep and, and broad at the same time, you know, a variety of, of, of perspectives and viewpoints and topics. I, I think that there's certainly a lot more here to discuss than we have time for today. Um, nonetheless, uh, you guys have brought a remarkable and truly, truly um, uh, incredible uh, sense of, of not only where the practical challenges are still occurring in Africa, but where there's tremendous growth and tremendous opportunity. And I think that that's something that ultimately our listeners should hear, if nothing else, that that while there is challenges, you know, there's a challenge in every place you're going to look, it isn't as, I don't know, it's not as difficult to see a future now where Africa becomes the next great economy that uh, that the world is uh, is going to be vying for. And so I think that you guys have pointed out some some of the challenges as well as some of the, the growth. And I think that's something that that is really important for all of us to hear. So yeah. Well, thanks, Jason. Yeah. And I'll let you know, I just left the White House, um, so I am looking for a job. So, Manny, tell, tell me when you're hiring. Well, then this is perfect. So, so, we'll so Jason, we like to end the show. You know, um, if somebody does want to reach out to you and offer you a job, where should they reach you at? <laughs> no, no no problem at all. I've actually, um, uh, any, any of these questions or any of these uh, discussions, I'm very happy to, um, you know, to take any follow-up in my, I have a very simple email. It's just Jason Israel, um, uh, the last name spelled like the country. Um, at yahoo.com so very happy to take any uh, inquiries at that which i do oh, often there you go and manny how can folks reach out to you if they want to have any any discussion follow-up or questions sent your way yeah um i'd love actually folks to engage me on, on, on twitter um uh, manny underscore chowi m-a-n-n-i-e underscore t-c-h-a-w-i uh and the reason is you know i, I want to welcome a, 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 an open uh, dialogue for myself and others um, to benefit just as we have here over, over the podcast, but, but across the web for, for folks to um, be able to, um, uh, to learn and grow as much as I'm sure. Absolutely. I well, um, thank you guys both very much for joining us. We really, we really do appreciate it. I think, as I said before, it's a topic that we seldom really spend enough time thinking about. And I think the fact of the matter is there's tremendous opportunity, not only for those working in Africa, but those looking to help Africa grow. So Thank you both. Really, genuinely, we really do appreciate it. Thank you for Absolutely. having us. It's really been a great, great honor and uh, uh, chatting with you and, and, and Jason. Likewise. Uh, very enriching. Absolutely.
Yep. Thanks Our so pleasure. Much. Uh, for folks interested in learning more about Startup Jab, you're, of course, always welcome to join us at uh, startupjab.com, where you can find our mailing list, our various social media presences, and all the fun happenings, as well as all the archives of our shows. Uh, if you're interested in reaching out to our producer, Katie, you are, of course, welcome to check out her website, thegoodlemon.com. That is thegoodlemon, L-E-M-O-N.com. And I, of course, am Jason Nellis. You can find me online at Jason Nellis on Twitter, or you can email me at Jason at brilliant b-r-l-l-n-t dot co that's right brilliant without the vowels dot co because we just don't have time for vowels damn it um again i want to thank manny and jason for joining us uh teague should be back next week and i'm sure we'll have a nice witty repartee for everybody in the meantime make sure you're subscribed to the podcast because i think that's the route we're going thanks again guys and have a great day all right thank you thank you